Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Pixel Swim podcast. My name is Steve Heinrich. Today is April 12th, 2018. So I just want to give a, in case you're tuning in for the first time, I just want to give a brief explanation of the podcast that uh, it's uh, it's about design and technology and other things that I kind of find interesting. Sometimes science and other things uh, make their way in here. So yeah, let's just dive into a few topics for this week. I found this article I want to go over just real quick about the JPEG XS format. So the one that I'm going to link to is on VentureBeat. And the title of the article is... JPEG XS is a new VR video streaming format optimized for 5G and Wi-Fi. So to try and break this down just a little bit, and I, I, I originally, the original article I read didn't do the greatest job to kind of put it in layman's terms. So I found this one on VentureBeat that was a little bit more clear. And let me just read a little bit about what it is, what JPEG XS is. It's it's a new video compression standard designed to stream lossless videos, VR content, and games over wireless networks. So basically, it goes on to say this too, but I'm going to try and sum it up a little bit. It is actually a less compressed version of a JPEG video, I guess. So, But it uses less power and resources in at the same time so it assumes that the devices are using a high bandwidth 5g cellular or a wi-fi network and it it focuses on an ultra low latency and superior energy efficiency so to read a little bit more from the article uh and a quote from it uh, is the aim is to stream the files instead of storing them in smartphones or other devices with limited memory, letting portable devices wirelessly share high-definition content instantly with larger displays. So you can see how this would apply to VR. Uh, latency, I guess, is one of the big issues with VR. So JPEG XS, XS addresses this issue. So this can also be used in drones and self-driving cars Basically, it's a it's a higher quality image, so it doesn't get as compressed. So, a lot more detail in them, and and it's low power, and uh, like I said, low latency. So the low power thing, I guess the European Space Agency is interested in that because if you can, if you have you know a device that's dependent on very small amount of power, you know, uh, it's it's a good technology to kind of look at to. To use for that. So again, read the article. It's it's really interesting um, and applies to you know mobile technology too. So I'm probably doing a terrible job of explaining it. So like I said, I'll link to the article. Take a look. It's something to follow. Uh, right now, I guess it's not really at a consumer level. At some point, it will be, but right now, mostly professional level. So just something to to keep an eye on. I thought it was interesting. So. Okay, so also this week, or the past couple weeks, since I talked to Tom Stewart on episode 10, I've been kind of thinking about getting a Windows 8.1 device for my archive, (laughs) which I decided that I would like to have a little bit of an archive. It's not something that, that I've really actively thought about, you know, I mean, you have a few phones from the past and, and stuff like that. But 
I kind of want to have a little bit of an archive just because I think it's worth it, especially with Windows Phone, which I've loved over the years. So I'm looking at potentially getting, well, I should say, I want to get a Windows 8.1 device. So I looked at the Lumia 920 initially because it is very affordable. So on eBay, there's some for, you know, 50 to 60 or $70, you know, between 50 and $70 for a Lumia 920 in good condition. So just something easy. I actually had a Lumia 920 at one point and kind of wish I had held on to it. But like I said, I'm, you know, for archival <laughs> purposes or just to, you know, pick it up and use for nostalgic reasons, I suppose. Uh, yeah, that's kind of why I'm doing. But I also looked at the 1020 because of the camera and it's like one of those iconic Lumia phones. So, but it's a little bit on the higher side. I mean, that one jumps up another hundred dollars over the 920. Obviously that camera is uh, quite the, the draw and still has let the phone keep its value. So not sure if I'll get a 1020. I've wanted one, but you know, we're looking at probably, like I said, about a hundred dollars more than the 920. So one, you know, 150 to 200. Honestly, I've seen them on eBay for so, and they don't show up on swap over here too often. But you know, it, there's a there's other options out there too. Uh, I've looked at the Lumia 635, which I have, which I've actually bought twice now. Uh, I think I talked a little bit on the episode 10 with Tom, but yeah, it, it's a cheap device. It's a quick, super cheap. I mean, 30 bucks. And that would be it. You know, it's a Windows 8.1 device. But, you know, the thing is, is that I know at some point I'm going to want to put the device on Windows 10, just to, like Tom was talking about, just to see, you know, just to to see how it gets on and, and you know, probably eventually bump it back to 8.1. But, you know, the curiosity is going to be there. And I know the 635, it has it's only got 512 megabyte of RAM. So I just, it's, you know, it's already a struggle on one gigabyte with Windows 10 mobile a little bit from what I'm, from my experience, uh, which I did put it on the Lumia 640 at one point in the past. And that had one gigabyte of RAM and it just was uh, not the best experience. So probably not a Lumia 635, but it's just so cheap. I always just keep it on my radar. Uh, but I also have looked at the Lumia 830 and the Lumia 1520 in the past. The 830, I've um, come very close in the past. It just looks like a really, you know, just a solid device. Again, it's got one gigabyte of RAM, but you know, if I put Windows 10 on it for a week, <laughs> I, I'm sure it'll be, it would be fine. But, um, yeah, the Lumia 1520 is another one I've looked at, but that one's a big device, so I'm not 100% sure on that. But like I said, just kind of want to get one to have uh, in the archive because Windows 8.1 was, Windows Phone 8.1 was, uh, I love the experience of it. So I just want to keep something for nostalgia. So, but with that said, I have also been looking at the Moto X4 recently. Uh, Ted has talked. Ted uh, Salmon on the Phone Show Chat podcast has talked about the device, and it actually has a lot of similar specs to my LG Q6 that I've recently got. So it's it's a 5.2 inch display. It has a uh, Snapdragon 630 a 3,000 milliamp hour battery. 
that Snapdragon 630 is is much higher than, or I should say, uh, a step up from the the Q6. Uh, the Q6 is a 400 series, I think a 435. So, yeah. But the biggest thing I think about it, or a couple of things about the X4 and why I really kind of looked at maybe getting it and you know replacing my Android, you know, my main Android phone, you know, and then selling off either the you know the Q6 or the uh, Moto E4 Plus which is hard to get rid of because of the battery. But I've really looked at getting the Moto X4 because I love Motorola devices. I, I, I just, I mean, I, I talked about it on, again, I'm talking a lot about episode 10, but I talked a lot about my device history on there. So I had the Moto G third generation, which was my favorite device of all time. So I just like Motorola. I like the way that they uh, craft a device software and hardware wise. So uh, I noticed that there are two different versions, maybe even three. I'm not sure if there's an Amazon Prime version of the X4. There might be. Uh, either way, I, I, in general, I would never, <laughs> I would never go with a Prime version. I just, I just can't do it. That I, I, I'll pay the extra money and not have any ads, you know. And I know you can get rid of the ads and stuff like that through XDA developers. There's, there's routes to get rid of them, but I just would rather start off with an unlocked, you know, Moto device. So, uh, but I, like I said, I, there's a Moto, like a stock Motorola version. And then there's also an Android one version of the Moto X4, which I s- have seen a lot. Cause I started, I subscribed on Swappa to the Moto X4 sale page. So every time somebody posts one, I get an email notification. So people have been posting a lot lately. So it went from like one to like, there's like six of them up there now. So yeah, but like I said, there is an Android one version, which gets all of the, you know, the latest updates and stuff like that. It's supposed to be much quicker and lighter as far as the software experience goes. So the one thing that I had, which I checked out the Moto X4 Wikipedia page and somebody had written on there, I don't know, and there was no reference for it, that the Moto X4 Android 1 edition strips out all the Motorola customizations uh, as far as software goes. Uh, and the one thing about the Moto G 3rd Gen and all any of the Moto devices really these days, except for the E range, is the chat for flashlight, which I talked about in episode 10, about using that quite a bit. So, but it turns out that the Moto X4 Android one version does have the Moto app on it, I guess. So at least from what I found, so it, it keeps all of those Moto actions as far as the Moto display is what it's called, where, you know, it shows the time, the notifications, all that on some phones. It's just when you lift it up on some, you can wave your hand over it. But I really like that uh, feature of Moto phones too. So I guess it, uh, the Android one version does keep all of that. So I'm just going to keep the X4 on my radar. It is a little bit expensive right now between $250 and $300 I've seen. But the $300 ones are for, you know, new, for brand new. So, you know, if, uh, a good deal. <laughs> Again, I'm always looking for a bargain, but just going to keep that on my radar. Uh, the Moto X4 really like Motorola and kind of given <laughs> into the fact that removable batteries are just going away. There's, you know, there's not really... A ton to do about that so but yeah moto x4 looks good and really would love to get one. Oh, <laughs> why again another huge reason which i didn't mention uh what is that wide angle camera on the back now i know 
I'm not too concerned about the quality as far as like, you know, pixel peeping and stuff like that with that wide angle camera. So just the fact that it has that on the back is a great feature. I had it on the LG G5 when I when I used it, not the recent one, but the the one in the past. And it's just it's a really great option to have with the camera. I love that you can get that extra context in the, to the frame with that wide angle camera. So that's another reason. And then the fact that it's on a Motorola phone and you're pretty much getting a stock experience with a few really great extra options from Motorola really has drawn me to looking at using that as my main Android device, which (laughs) these days has basically been, you know, my daily driver. So I'm still using the the LG Q6 as my daily driver because it has Android and, you know, just works with all the apps that I need. So yeah, Moto X4, I'll keep you updated if I I end up (laughs) purchasing one or you know, uh, what the deal is there. So also this week, I, for the first time, I bought a 128 gigabyte micro SD card. And this was actually, <laughs> it wasn't for me because it turns out that 64 gigabytes extra SD card storage is more than enough for me. So, uh, but it turns out because my wife recently in the past few months has started using Spotify and she's also uh, because she's uh, currently in school, she records sometimes her lectures. So because there's, you know, a lot going on, she's in mechanical engineering. So there's, you know, a lot on the board and a lot of discussion that she likes to capture on that. So she's got a little tripod that she can use and it basically she because I upgraded her to the LG Q6 from the Moto G third generation and put her 32 gigabyte card into her new phone as is. So we kind of cleared some stuff out because it was all backed up and it's you know, she's had the phone for a month and, I you know, I checked the storage and just to see where it was at and it ended up she was you know, she had filled up 19 gigabytes already because she had been downloading a lot of Spotify music and taking more videos in class. So, you know, the phone, the Moto G third generation only supported a 32 gigabyte micro SD card. I know that there was, you know, ways to, I think you could put a bigger one in there, but it was like, I wasn't going to risk it. Officially, it took a 32 gigabyte card. So I decided that uh, she, I was going to get a 64 gigabyte card for her and to put in that phone. But I thought, you know, that's only double, you know, where she's at right now. So why not go more and just take any take out any doubt, you know, uh, or just get that breathing room. So I got the 128 gigabyte card. I got it for forty nine ninety nine at Best Buy, which is a pretty good price, you know. So uh, I'll put a link for that in the show notes. But also I upgraded her Google Drive storage. She was on the, you know, the free 15 gigabyte plan and that I checked that too and that was up to I think she had like 13 of the 15 gigabytes used up because of the videos that were backing up so and and yeah she she definitely needs to back them up because she can share them with her classmates or you know view them anywhere um, not needing her phone so she can just view them on her computer later so we upgraded to the 100 gigabyte plan, which is only like $2 a month. So it's a really nice, easy way to upgrade the storage. But 
hopefully this will take care of her through, you know, the end. She's got about a year left. So this will be enough where she doesn't have to worry about deleting anything. So she's got 32 gigabyte on the phone and 128 gigabyte card. So and then 100 gigabytes of backup. So the Spotify stuff doesn't back up. There's a few gigabytes on there of music right now, but I know there's going to be more soon. So, yeah, it, it was, a you know, the experience. <laughs> so here's what I did, because I I know, again, I mentioned Ted Salmon earlier, the he talked about, you know, SD cards and the, they're becoming the bane of his existence <laughs> lately because it's not easy to use. And they're not uh, as far as transferring over, because I read a lot of stuff trying to make sure that I could transfer everything from the 32 gigabyte card to the 128 gigabyte card. So at first I used, I found this tool called HDD Guru, which is a free software to clone. I don't know if it clones the right word, but it copies sector by sector, everything from, you know, your, your disc source, which was the 32 gigabyte card. And there's a bunch of options to, you know, where to move that data to. So initially I put it into some sort of image file and I thought, okay, that's a good idea because I couldn't connect both at the same time, both cards at the same time to my PC. So I pulled out her, turned her phone off, pulled out her SD card, uh, put it in an adapter, an SD card, a larger SD card adapter and plugged that into my laptop and did ran the HDD guru on it and created a an image file that I would then, you know, eject the 32 gigabyte card, put in the 128 gigabyte card, and then basically use HDD Guru to expand that image onto the card. But the thing is, is that it it expanded and put all the data onto the card, you know, after a long process, because it was 19 gigabytes of data, which isn't a ton, but it took a little while, you know. So after I expanded the data bit onto the new card, what had ended up happening is that it basically made the card in t- the 128 gigabyte card show up as a 32 gigabyte card because the image was based off of a 32 gigabyte drive. So there was unallocated space and I couldn't extend the volume and it just got <laughs> too technical. So uh, it wasn't working. And it, so, you know, I thought I'm going to go very basic. I backed up the 32 gigabyte card by just dragging and dropping all the files, making sure that the show hidden folders was on. I don't think there were any hidden folders, but either way, I just dragged all the files onto a folder on my desktop, pulled out the 32 gigabyte, put in the 128, dragged all those files onto the 128 gigabyte card. Well, I had to reformat the 128 gigabyte because it had gotten messed up when I was trying to put the image of the old card. But either way, so I just, you know, basic drag and drop. And so then I popped the card into her phone booted it up and then made sure that everything that was supposed to be going to the SD card, like the camera and Spotify, which I was worried about because all of the Spotify songs and everything she had downloaded was on her SD card. So, but you know, everything worked very easily. So I went into the gallery to make sure that it read everything, all the images that were on there and videos and stuff like that. So it worked out. She's up and running. So yeah, SD card's not the greatest experience, and it's unfortunate that you have to be 
a little bit technically minded in order to make it work accurately uh, the first time, you know, but it, it, I'm glad that she's up and running. So, but on that subject, I mentioned Spotify. I just had a quick request for Spotify and I'll have to put in this. I actually did submit a request to Spotify because they have an offline mode, which is really great, uh, which I'll get into a little bit later why for my wife and I offline modes are are nice in apps like that and that stream. Um, but I, the offline mode on Spotify on the Android app anyway is not in the most convenient place. You have to click on your library and then click on the settings and then toggle on offline mode. So there's three steps to get to offline mode, which we want to use quite a bit. So I know that on Pandora, which I have a subscription to, it's you swipe the menu and there's a toggle right in the menu. So it's very easy, very intuitive to go into offline mode. So Spotify, (laughs) Uh, I know they've got my email already, I'm sure. But uh, I noticed it wasn't a huge, hugely voted on issue in Spotify, because I'm sure people have tons of data that they can just blow through. So but that's going to bring me on to my next thing, which is kind of my for my setup for my phone plan. So I'm sorry if this is a little bit boring, but I like to go over this stuff because I honestly am interested in cell phone plans or smartphone plans, data plans, you know, talk texts and all that generally always looking for a better deal. So I'm just going to kind of go over some of the real quick, the plans that I've had in the in the past, my phone plans. So starting with my very first one, which was singular (laughs) or AT&T, it literally became AT&T while I was a customer there. So I shouldn't say I was a customer. This is when I started college and, you know, I'm going to date, date myself probably and make myself seem really young, I guess, to some of my, you know, to some of my audience. But back in 2002 is when I got my first basic cell phone service. Uh, my, my dad had helped me get set up on that. So it was, like I said, it was singular then. So there was a limited minutes, I remember, and limited, no texting, I'm pretty sure. It was like 10 cents a text or something like that, just for a basic text message. But, you know, the phone didn't do a ton. I had a Nokia it was a Nokia back then. I don't remember the model offhand. But anyway, so I had that first. And then eventually, I went to T-Mobile. And I switched to T-Mobile. Uh, this was after college, after I graduated, I was into my first job. I switched to T-Mobile because they had the HTC G1, the, the very first Android phone. So I didn't I mean this is where it all started this is why I have this podcast right now but yeah I switched over to T-Mobile to get that so unfortunately that came with a two-year contract so back then it was you know there that's how the industry was over here in the U.S. that everything was contracts you know I was on a contract at AT AT&T and then I signed up for a new contract on T-Mobile so and I I remember there was still some time left on the AT&T contract when I switched to T-Mobile. So there, I think there was a fee that I had to pay, but I was willing to pay it to get the, the first Android phone. So if, but I was stuck on a contract and data wasn't cheap. Uh, there was still limited, ta- you know, minutes and limited texts. 
So I actually, throughout the time that I had the G1, was on and off of data. So you could add it to your account or you could take it off of your account. So, you know, a, a month here, a month there, I would turn out, you know, pay for the data uh, and, and have that. But I vowed after T-Mobile, after my contract was up, because the contract really, I did, you know, I hated it <laughs> because I couldn't just go to another phone. You know, I wasn't too aware of unlocked phones and all that stuff at the time. So I was stuck on the contract. So I vowed that I would go to a prepaid carrier after that. So I did. And when my contract was up with T-Mobile, I went to a company called GoSmart Mobile which if you haven't heard of them, they are actually, they're still around. They are actually owned by T-Mobile. <laughs> like they, um, they let you know, I think somewhere on the website that they basically are T-Mobile. But the thing about them was that obviously the plans were a lot cheaper. It was prepaid. So month to month, you can switch at any time kind of a thing. And the weird thing about them was they only offered up to 3G data, which at the time was still slow. <laughs> So 4G was was around at that time, but it was cheaper. I didn't really use a ton of data. You know, I wasn't watching videos or streaming a lot of stuff at the time. So go smart mobile. I think it was like thirty five dollars a month. You get like, you know, two or three gigabytes of 3G data and, you know, unlimited talk, unlimited text at that point had become, you know, just part of every plan. So I was on go smart mobile for a while and then I moved to, for I would say well, I was on GoSmart probably for a couple of years. And at that point, I was married, so my wife was on GoSmart as well. So then we moved to uh, TPO Mobile, TPO, and that's uh, the People's Operator Mobile. And their their thing was, uh, aside from being a cheaper plan, which I think we got a gigabyte of data at that point, the part of your payment, your monthly payment, went to charity. So uh, this was actually. TPO was actually started in conjunction or one of the founders is the the Wikipedia guy, the, <laughs> the guy that owns Wikipedia, I guess you would say. But either way, uh, it was there was decent service, you know, but at that point I was really shopping around. There is a lot of MVNO or mobile virtual virtual network operators out there running off all the networks and I was trying to find the best one that I could. So TPO Mobile was good. But that brings me to my current phone plan, which is the best deal that I've gotten. And I just want to uh, do a disclaimer because uh, I'm not affiliated with this operator at all. Uh, I just, you know, I use it and I've really enjoyed it. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about it. Uh, like I said, in the beginning of this part that I like hearing about people's plans, like uh, when they talk about their you know, EE over in Europe and, and stuff like that. I'm always interested at, you know, what, what you get and what, you know, the prices, the data plans in Europe seem like they're enormous, which you'll see what I'm talking about when I kind of go over the current plan that we're on. So yeah, I'm on uh, Mint Sim over here in the US. It's called Mint Sim. It's part of Ultra Mobile and they are an, a mobile virtual network operator, MVNO, on T-Mobile's network. So my wife and I both have the same plan. So it's unlimited talk, unlimited text, 
And the plan that we chose was two gigabytes of LTE data. And then after those two gigabytes are up, that's per month. And after those are up, it goes to its throttle down to 128 kilobytes <laughs> per second after you're done with your two gigabytes. So, but the one big thing and, and why I an, eventually switched us both over is that the, the thing about Mint Sim is you can pay for up to a year in advance. And so, and because of that, you can save a lot of money, you know, if you pay, a, you know, your chunk in advance, you save month to month. So last June, we signed up for it and it, we paid each, we paid $174 and 29 cents for an entire year each. And so that's $14 and 52 cents a month. So that's two gigabytes of data, unlimited talk, unlimited text. And it's, you know, it it runs on T-Mobile's network. So it's been, you know, uh, almost indistinguishable as far as service goes. So we're getting for $14.52 a month, we are getting a really good deal Um, if you pay for the year. and, And the thing about paying for the year too in advance is that you just you don't have to worry about it for a year. And so that's been really nice, especially because we, you know, paying monthly subscription or monthly bills is always, you know, you don't have to worry about it. You pay it once and you're good to go for the year. So we've really enjoyed it. Now, granted, we only get two gigabytes of data. And that brings me back to when I was talking about Spotify's offline mode. So when my wife drives to and from school, she listens to Spotify in the car. And so she turns it to the offline mode. And basically, when she's on wi- on a Wi-Fi network, like at home or at school, she'll download all the music, you know, as she's listening to it. So it's really handy to have that offline mode. And because we only have two gigabytes of data, you kind of think about where you are as far as your data connection on your phone. So if you're at home, you know you're on Wi-Fi, you just stream away, download away. And then when you're in the car or just out and about, you two gigabytes is plenty to get through the month for navigation and and things like that, or you know, internet searches and you know, things that you would do out of the house, you know. So you you I've adjusted my habits over the years and my wife has too to basically a lot for that. So you can save a lot of money if you just kind of adjust your habits. So uh, Mint Sim has really <laughs> helped us do that. I mean, $14.52 a month is really cheap for that amount. So uh, it's been working out really well for us. And they have a really nice website and probably the best chat bot <laughs> that I've ever seen on their site. They have like a live chat feature and you can ask it questions. <laughs> they the, the thing about MintSim is they also have this like weird branding thing where this fox, this green fox, the clever fox is kind of their mascot and takes you through everything. So I guess you would call them your the clippy of their company. So, and and the thing is, is this chatbot uh, or the the live chat isn't initially powered by any human. So it's you know they have their their algorithms or AI or whatever you want to call it, where essentially 
you can type in your question and and every time that I've done it a few times, you know, to find out what the data gets throttled to because I couldn't find it in their uh, FAQ section. But I did try the live chat. I just literally typed throttle because I knew that it was an AI and that it was just going to take that term and, and spit out all the information that it you know, you potentially could be looking for. And it, it did. It gave me it gave me that information back. And so uh, I haven't had to contact a sing- single actual human at MintSim. So and that's the thing about mobile virtual network operators MVNOs is that they generally their customer service is where they skimp or cut back on generally from my experience. That's what I've found. So for MintSim to build this entire system to kind of aid in, in answering questions automatically without having to, you know, talk to a, a person, which I, you know, I like to do. I haven't had any issues where I've you know needed to. So everything's been answered through these, through their, their system that they've put together. So kudos to them for that. Again, I'm not affiliated with MintSim, but I've been very happy with the service. If you're over here in the States, definitely check out just you know check it out i'll put a link in the show notes to their plans like i said the longer the plan you buy it for uh you know the cheaper it is so i think they they equate it on their website to toilet paper buying toilet paper you know the more that you, that you buy in bulk you save money you know that kind of thing so you know it's kind of a silly persona that they've put on their brand but uh it all works and it works well so we've been more than happy with it Okay, so let's wrap things up. I appreciate everybody tuning in again this week. Uh, go to pixelswim.com for the notes, for the show notes. Uh, and as always, you can find the so- my social links on there. Feel free to reach out with any feedback you might have. There's on the show notes page, there's a, a comment section, which I had to fix this week. It kind of went down, so was able to get it back up and running and and everything's working as it should and all the comments are where they're supposed to be so yeah check that out online and i'm hoping that maybe in a couple episodes or this month sometime i'll be able to have another guest on so i'm gonna try and get on that and and make that happen too so thank you for tuning in to the pixel swim podcast have a great night or you know morning or evening or whatever time it is when you're listening to this and you can hear my phone going off in the background. So I'm going to wrap it up. Thanks again and Godspeed. speed.